Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to episode 50 of the Liberty Cafe. Excited to have you here with us today, as we are every week, and particularly excited to have Texas Scorecard as our sponsor. They've been great in sponsoring the Liberty Cafe and great in fighting for liberty for Texas, and I recommend you highly go over there and check out all the great work they're doing to bring liberty to Texas and throughout the United States. Well, today we have a special treat. I, I thought what we would do today is go back and look at the fight for liberty in Texas for just a, a little while back in the history because a lot of times we sort of forget what has happened and come before us and that kind of gets in the way of our going forward. And as we all know, Texas has been a Republican state now for the better part of 20 years, depending on where you start counting from. And some folks are a little frustrated about how far we have gotten in these 20 years of being Republicans as this great conservative state. And so I thought it was worth going back a little bit to learn some lessons and to help us think about how Texans who are fighting for liberty can take the battle forward. So today, we're going to have a visit with the co-founder of Texas Scorecard and Empower Texans and Texans for Fiscal Responsibility and maybe other names. I'm not sure what they all are. Uh, Michael Quinn Sullivan. Uh, like I mentioned, he's a co-founder of these organizations along with uh, Tim Dunn, the chairman and and has been fighting for liberty in Texas for the better part of 20 years, I guess right about 15, perhaps uh, right on that dot. And so um, if I have it right, Michael's title today is publisher of Texas Scorecard. Maybe he's got some other titles as well. We'll find out maybe in a minute on that. But prior to being here, and m most people know this because we're on a Texas Scorecard podcast, but but just to, to be formal about it, prior to doing all this kind of work, Michael is an Eagle Scout. He's graduate of Texas A&M. He's a former newspaper reporter, Capitol Hill staffer, and a think tank vice president. And that happens to be at our mutual uh, former employer, the Texas Public Policy Foundation. So if I recall correctly, Michael and I met for the first time, I think it was in 2001. It, it was when he showed up to work here uh, on the most recent iteration at TPPF, you know, TPPF was trying to increase its presence at the Texas Capitol by actually having somebody work in the Texas Capitol, kind of a novel idea. And so they brought Michael back in from Capitol Hill where he'd been a staffer for Ron Paul up there to open an office in Texas. And he started attending the church I was going to and a mutual friend who had met him invited us to lunch and I think we met at maybe Trudy's mm -hmm. over near the UT campus. And so what we're going to do today with Michael here is um, really look at the fight for liberty since Michael's gotten here. Now, just lest he think that the fight for liberty began upon his arrival in Texas, we don't want to have that, you know. In 1970. Yeah, in 1970. I guess that was the year he was born. Yeah. Uh, I just want to make sure that we acknowledge a lot of the fighters for liberty before mm -hmm. all that, and, and we can – there's so many of them we can't count, but, you know, John Tower was an early uh, fighter, Phil Graham, mm -hmm. Ernie Angelo, George Strake, right. all, the, all those kinds of folks, and a lot of folks that 
a lot of people, even us, haven't heard of. The, the, the battle has been going on for a while. So that, that being said, I do think that there is – that Michael's arrival – well, it, it TPPF on, on that iteration of his arrival is related to and, and part of a shift in how the battle for liberty has been fought in Texas. So at this point, uh, let me bring you in the conversation. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate letting me be with you. Yeah, I think it, you know, I, I so appreciate what – I appreciate all what you said there. Very, very kind. Um, uh, but, but it's so important that we that we take a moment and acknowledge um, that that so much of what all of us do, um, particularly in the in the fight for liberty and the fight to uh, to see a stronger Texas, um, is built on so much work that's gone before us. You know, I mean, there, you know, uh, you know, Satan's best lies. Are ninety nine percent truth, you know the old wives' tale or the old saying, whatever, and yeah, and you saw that and things like you know when Barack Obama very famously said, "Oh, you didn't build that," you know, kind of talking to entrepreneurs and stuff, and you know, and and, and the problem with that lie is it's true because you know. You know, you and I didn't build the liberty movement. There were all these amazing folks going back 150 years. Some of whom, like you said, some of whom we never know their names, right? And um, and it's so important to acknowledge that because it reminds us that we're rooted in something more important, more lasting, um, more eternal uh, than just simply a fight of convenience here and there. Yeah, and I 100% agree with that. Of course, we can take this fight of, for liberty really all the way back to the Garden for Eden if mm-hmm. we wanted to, and, and that's appropriate. We, we may not go quite back that far on, on this particular podcast, but, but really that's where the fight for liberty started. Right. And, or at least where tyranny started, certainly. Well, yeah. tyranny started, but the, the fight for yeah, liberty right. started there too. And, but you have to notice there were only you – know, there was Adam and Eve and Satan, and none of them were fighting for liberty. Right. So right. – it was God who made the path to liberty for all human beings possible. And so when we talk about our fight for liberty here at the capital of Austin, Texas, we, we have to remember that that fight for liberty starts not in politics or up there, but it starts with our very souls right. where we need liberty from sin. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's where it's all built and comes off from, in addition to all the, the freedom fighters that we see in the United States and before the United States, at the United States, the founding of Texas, and all those kinds of things. But let's start for well. Let's start with a freedom fighter, actually, that we both know, Joanne Fleming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, her organization, Grassroots America, is doing great things here in Texas and around the United States. And, and she has, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this. She likes to use the number, focus on the number nineteen, mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, could, could you kind of? Tell us what she's talking about when she talks about the number 19. Have you heard her talk about that? I have heard her talk. I'm not sure I can explain it very well. I'm in the, the sheer terror. Oh, no, where's this going? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 tell me. So this is 2021, right? Yeah. Um, and count back 19 years. Let, let's see if we can do this. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. and that takes us to... 2003. 2003. Right? You know, when, when Republicans took over the t- t- took over complete control of the Texas legislature, uh, she and I were literally just earlier having a conversation about 19 senators. So I was in. Com- oh no! Wait. Oh, did I miss something? I apologize. 
Yeah. Getting old, Bill. You and I, are, you are now getting. We're getting long in the tooth, as yeah. they used to say. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, she talks about that from the perspective that you know how little has been done. Um, you know, in 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 the context of of Republican priorities, Republican agendas, because that's when you know in January of that year when Republicans took over the Texas House. They'd had the Texas Senate for uh, about a decade, had the governorship now for for, uh, uh, for a sustained period uh, for almost a decade. You'd seen, you know, furative attempts at you know, the Republican control, the governorship, but congressional districts, all those kind of things. Republicans were, were ascendant up until then. But in 2003, Republicans had it all. And so you could no longer say, well, we would have gotten it done, but the Democrats run the House or the Democrats is the governor or the Democrats have the, the whatever. No, Republicans had everything at that point. And so in, in 19 years, there's that, that critical thought of, well, wh what have we achieved? And, and we, there, you, know, you, have to, you say there, there's a lot has been achieved, but is it enough? Is it what you would expect when you have control? Yeah. And, and I want us to, to get to that point. And I think it's a good place to start off thinking about the the failures and the achievements during that time. But I want to kind of take us back to that time frame. So you, you got – it was 2001 when you came to TPPF? Or, yeah. So uh, uh, September of 2001 came uh, – uh, we was able to come back to Texas to uh, work at Texas Public Policy Foundation. Uh, TPF at the time was based in San Antonio, um, principally focused on education policy at the time, um, a little bit of um, uh, economic policy, but mainly fiscal policy work. Um, and they wanted to expand to have to start um, you know, looking at, at more issues, uh, but also to have a presence at the Capitol, to have a presence in Austin. Um, and and so for better or worse for them, I was that presence. Um, yeah. So so when you so when you got here in two thousand one, we're on the verge of a of a takeover, Republicans, if you will. Now, right. as we know, just because you've got an R in front of your name doesn't mean you're a freedom liberty fighter. Right. right. But nonetheless, I, I think there was a lot of hope with the grassroots that Texas was going in a direction where we we're going to get some real positive change. So what what was the landscape like that at the time, particularly? So you, you came to be kind of an insider mm -hmm. working inside of Austin and, and having that presence. W was there much grassroots support going on in, in Texas, activity trying to shape what was going on in the Capitol? Uh, there, there wasn't a lot. There were, uh, there were you know, little pockets, uh, folks doing things and areas. But a lot of that was what was, uh, was was always centered on a very particular topic. You know, for example, um, our amazing friends at Texas Homeschool Coalition. Um, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of what we today think of as grassroots activities, but all centered around homeschooling, which has then become you know morphed into. Uh, into parental rights, um, uh, but you know, but you know, so the, they they were maybe the most well connected and most um, energetic grassroots entity out there, and then they were you know a fraction of what they are today. Uh, but in terms of a coordinated, um, a sustained push by activists uh, united at the local level based on common beliefs and a desire to expand liberty. That really didn't exist in Texas at the time. That, that it was something that 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 that, that folks didn't. You know, we well, we were Texans. We we everything was fine, right? You know, it was kind of the kind of the approach a lot of a lot of, a lot of people took. 
So with with TPPF, of course, they're they're, they're not a grassroots. They weren't then and aren't now a grassroots organization, but. They're, they're a research organization, right. and, and I guess the idea would, to have a presence of, in Austin was to bring some of that research into the debate in Austin so that, that Republicans and conservatives could have some facts and information that they could use to, in the battle for liberty in the Capitol. And I, and I've, I remember our former boss, Brooke Rollins, talking about she She came on a couple of years after you, right, right. at the beginning of 2003, and when she was first approached by, I think, Wendy Graham to take the position, she had never heard of TPPF, right, right. right? And the strange thing was, or the funny thing or the sad thing, is that she was the, the head of the governor's policy council, right? right. The policy staff, right? And, and where policy was shaped in the governor's office, yet she'd never heard of TPPF before. So I think and, and I think the, the board at TPPF realized that something needed to be done to, to bring that presence there, and, and you were kind of the first step in that. So h- how did that go? Was there success early on in, in bringing this information to Republicans and conservatives in the Capitol? Did, did that help change the nature of the debate? Uh, it, it did in certain ways, um, but I think that what – you know. It, you know I, I'm a big believer in you know try things, just try things. It, you know when you're when you're when you're you know going to go grill a steak, yeah, throw some seasoning you've never had on there. No, to try it. it. It may not be any good, but try it. You might find something. Try it, try it. Um, and so we did a lot of trying it. Um, and I think that um, you know in, in that what we found is that there is always a there's a always a, a value to having conversations with with lawmakers. Um, uh, but ultimately, it's the it's the difference between um, having a conversation with the clerk in the store, or having a conversation with the store's owner. You know, it, you know, it, when, when when you when you have an issue, and that uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation um, rightly focuses their work on the clerks in the store. Um, now, but real change only occurs um, when when the owner gets involved, and in the sense of our republic, the owner is the citizen, um, and 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 we didn't understand that at the time. And you what know, was so funny the uh, the 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 rest of the story about the you know Brooke Rollins uh, being in the governor's shop, that kind of stuff was you know Governor Perry spoke at two or three different events at TPPF um, before, but it's just you know it, it's the. It's in, in, in political offices the disconnect between the politician and the staff and the different, you know, who's the political guy, who's the policy guy, who's the this, you know, all those kind of things that, um, you know, which again goes to that problem of, of talking, you know, a lot of us in working in uh, policy land uh, thought that by talking to the politician. You were getting some, or even the politician staff. You were getting somewhere, um, and and what we came to realize um, then was now the real people we need to be talking to are the citizenry. And and while it's critical that someone is talking to the clerk in the store, right? Um, uh, real change in our system of government only happens when the citizens are involved. So, well, well, why is that? I mean, aren't Aren't the politicians in Austin? I mean, don't they want to do the right thing? Don't they? Aren't they concerned about good information about changing things that are wrong? 
Uh, how does one say no politely? Um, no, um, uh, yeah, the answer is yes. But but remember, you know, we we have a we're in a we live in a republic, and a republic with a representative government. Um, you know, I it, it's very common. You know, um, you know, at church on Sundays occasionally. Um, you know, uh, someone get up and pray for the leaders in our country, and they start naming off the names of politicians. Um, our founding fathers would be twisting in their graves if they could hear that language because the leaders in our country are supposed to be the citizens and everyone else is a public servant. The, guy, the people holding office are servants. And so, yes, you, you do expect you know, when you think of that master-servant relationship in, you know, in, a, in, a, in a state in England or something, the master does expect that the servant anticipates the master's needs, right? But you really don't want the servant getting too far out ahead of the master either, you know, and that, you know, it, it gets very easy for us to say, oh, the politician should just do the right thing. Uh, well, the politician needs to do what his, what his masters say, what the citizens say. Um, and, uh, but there's often then a confusion in politics. We, we talk about the leaders in government. You know, we all must bow to the almighty politician. Uh, but then the politicians start thinking of their masters. They, they never use that language, of course, um, as, the, as the lobbyists, as, the, um, as the, the heads of stakeholder organizations and things like that um, who are all profiting off of <laughs> really crummy policies, um, and, and so you know, the, the entire system of governance, you know, of practical application of governance, has gotten turned upside down. But yet, even in all that, you know, for, for as much as we have tried to you know tear asunder our um, uh, you know the, the 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 system that we were bequeathed by our founding fathers, um, there's still that understanding that. A politician can't get too far out from his citizens, can't get too far out. You know, even for all the leader talk, fortunately, most politicians are followers. And so for those of us who, um, who want to see liberty expanded, want to see self-governance further extended, um, you know, our job, you know, our focus should not be on the guys with the honorable in front of the name, but our neighbors. Uh, the people we go to church with, the people that we, you know, see at the grocery store and are on a kid's, you know, uh, soccer teams or <laughs> all those kind of things. We need to be interacting with – because those people are the ones who are going to drive the politicians. And politicians are highly reactive. Uh, they, they react to pressure from the citizenry. And, and so when the citizens are silent, well, politicians start listening to bad masters. So you need – the citizenry more engaged, more involved, getting more information. And that's part of what we started doing at TPPF and we um, started seeing a little bit of success there and that's where um, you know, what, what, what was Empower Texans uh, started from that, that idea that oh, maybe we need the citizens more involved. And, and that coincided with the Tea Party and coincided with other things happening. Yeah, so, so you left TPPF in 2006 to come over here and, and found – found Empower Texans and, and get that organization started. And you're right. I, I think in that time frame, we, we started to see a shift, but but you, it was still a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, we hadn't got to, to the Tea Party and, and things like that. So you went over there and you, you basically – Kind of the way you've described things is that you know you need to get citizens involved and have them speak out and those types of things. And you're right. You talked about 
if the citizens aren't leading, they'll f- the politicians will follow other leaders. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of reminds me of, I can't remember, I think maybe it's Douglas Wilson who said that, you know, the, the husband is the head of the household. And it kind of in the context of, you know, a lot of context, but in the context of welfare and those types of things. Like, so you might have a husband, you know, who marries and have kids, and but then leaves, and you know, the, the mother surviving on welfare. And the the thing is, the the husband is still the head of the household. He's just not a very good head, right? Right. Right. And, and so you might kind of say that for citizens who are just sitting back and, and not talking. On the other hand, you would hope that, that the, the legislators would follow the right leaders, but it's – I mean, as you know, you get into this little bubble, which is Austin, Texas or Washington, D.C. or whatever capital your you Your county courthouse, your city hall or whatever it may be. Yeah, right, yeah. and you have everybody's ascending on those locations because they want a piece of the pie. Right. And unfortunately and, – and we're not new in talking about this – the more pie there is, the more people who are going to ascend on it to get the piece of it, and which is why our founders would be also rolling over in their graves if they saw how big our government was today and what it was doing. Because, I mean, they understood factions and special interests better than we do today right. probably, and, and they pur- purposely put it into, into place a government that – where those things would be limited because the government simply didn't have the power to do it because the power is spread out over all different kinds of people. But as we we know, uh, politicians and the people who are in charge, people want power because Mm -hmm. they get stuff from it. And we've had 200 plus years of that happening in the United States and we're kind of in a a tough place. So let's get back. So you, you went over there in 2006. And you started an organization to start bringing the people into the conversation. What was the reaction of the establishment in Austin? Oh, they were just overjoyed. No, um, uh, it, it was not positive. Um, you know, some some folks saw it and went, "Oh, hey, wait a second. Now, you know, got guys who, for whatever reason, hadn't been corrupted. You know, think like a Talmadge Heflin. I'm thinking of an Arlene Woolgabeth. You know, who, um, uh, you know, folks who." Who, who, who kind of believed all this stuff about limited government and liberty and you know, those things, um, you know, they saw it and liked it because they understood, oh, this is a way to break through the, you know, through the, through the barriers. Um, but a lot of them really didn't like it. They, um, in, in part, because a lot of them were doing very well, thank you very much, um, in the relative obscurity of, um, of serving in the Texas legislature. Um, you know, e- even today, most Texans, and this, this horrifies me, but you know, we, we shouldn't shy away from a, a reality that horrifies us. It horrifies me, though, that most Texans today cannot identify the name of their state senator or their state representative or their mayor or their city council member, um, despite the, the the real power, the real control those people have. Lives. Now, I think that. You know, certainly um, more people are aware today than have ever been aware before about those things. I think that, you know, in the, um, in, in the context of, of moving the needle, of, of, of changing political culture, um, that has been a very positive change in the last 20 years. More, but it's still too few. It, it's still too few. Um, but I'm only going to be satisfied when, you know, when 100 percent of the people see their, you know, 
scuzzball politician walking down the street and boo them <laughs> or whatever. That's when I'm going to be happy. You know? um, or when they you know, see, the, see the servant who's doing well and applaud them. You know? um, the, the fact that, uh, that you're talking about the 10th largest economy on the planet in fact, you're talking about a state now of, of 30 million people, um, and yet so many of these um, of the of the politicians can walk around in complete anonymity. Um, again, it is an indictment that, that that we're not yet where we need to be in terms of the citizens being in charge. Okay, well, you know, I, I think that might be a really good place for us to stop. If that's okay with you, we could sure. maybe. Stop here and then come back for a second episode next week and talk a little bit more about this. How, how do we, you know, building off the lessons that we've learned and you've learned in te- Texas Scorecard and, and we've just seen around Texas with the grassroots, what's a path forward look like? Um, can you do that? I would love to. That'd be great. That'd be okay, fun. Okay, great. Well, thanks everybody for being with us again on episode 50 of the Liberty Cafe. We're very pleased to have you with us week after week and, and listening in, in in the battle that we're all fighting for liberty. Thank you for listening to The Liberty Cafe by Texas Scorecard. You can find more shows and great content at texasscorecard.com. Please consider leaving a review or rating the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen on.